You're listening to the Rec2Tech podcast. We connect the tech thought leaders across the globe to deliver content that allows you to make better career and hiring decisions. Cool. So look, welcome back, guys, to another episode of Preparing the Unprepared, a podcast that aims to help people make smarter career and hiring decisions. Uh, today, I'm actually going to be joined by Will Focosi, uh, a very well-rounded developer with over 17 years of experience. His work spans across a wide variety of industries, including banking, retail, legal, um, and he was even an agency owner at one point. Now, I've known Will for... Um, quite a long time now on and off from my days in Europe. We actually used to live very close uh, back home in, in a town called Essex. Um, and then we kind of bumped into each other in Scandinavia. Um, and if you don't mind me saying, we're all kind of like your journey so far, which is what's kind of inspired this chat, hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows. No, no, definitely not. No, it's been quite, it's been, a, it's been definitely been a, an experience. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, no, I, I really want to talk about some of them exciting highs and, and some of those manic lows and how you got around them. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of that's what I've got in mind for this particular conversation. I hope that some of the experiences that you have, some of the experiences that I have might perhaps help someone through a tough time. Uh, and especially while we're on the kind of eve or, or in fact, today is when everyone's getting locked back down um, yeah. due to, to COVID. <laughs> so look, without further ado, welcome to the show, Will. Thanks, man. Good to be here. Cheers. Absolutely. Um, now, as I said, the purpose of this particular broadcast is is <clears throat> going to be focused around mental health. Um, and as Will called it in one of his many publications, the, the invisible enemy. So a few different topics we want to cover. Um, I want to look into to Will's journey um, kind of in life, business and tech. Um, I want to talk about some of the highs um, against some of the lows. Uh, I really want to talk about how to spot a burnout as well, because I think that's something that's really important for, for people and businesses to be able to do. Um, yeah. And then Will started a, um, I don't know, what would you want to call it, Will? Um, just a friend. Would it? Yeah, it's like a new volunteer service kind of thing. So um, it's, um, yeah. it's right now it's a concept. I'm doing a lot of talking and stuff with various people, um, but I've got a really great idea and uh, I want to, I want to pull something out there and because you know mental health for me is really um it's something which i've had to you know sort of tackle my whole life ups and downs and bits and pieces and actually yeah. everyone does but i think a lot of people don't realize they are and that's that's why i think it's so important to kind of um yeah bring this out in the open and talk about it yeah so, but the, the the just a friend thing is um is where i'll start to um focus on connecting people that want to be able to talk and start opening up the conversation more and hopefully help a lot of people to make the leap from um you know to go into coaching and therapy. It's, it's, it's a big leap to get a coach. It's a really big leap to get a therapist, but it's not a big leap to get a mentor and have a coffee with someone in the same in the same field as you. And I think it's uh, that's that's kind of what I want to aim to do, to, yeah. get, to connect those people. <clears throat> so so I guess you could kind of round it up and call it like a platform for conversation or discussion. Yeah, yeah. It's like a mentoring platform. It's like the space before coaching is mentoring. Just like you know, another developer or whatever with less experience, because um, I do a lot of mentoring as it is anyway. Um, and yeah. I also have an intern working with me at the moment. And, you know, I love I love to watch people like I love to have that that moment where it falls into place with someone and they're like, all right. You know, or I love to see <laughs> people suffer with imposter syndrome, which is just completely common in the industry. You know, like, oh, I hope they don't find out that I'm not really good at this. You know, it's so common and it kills a lot of people. And the way the mm-hmm. way developers are, they're very competitive. Uh, some of some of them are really competitive and everyone wants to look great and no one wants to lose their job. And. 
you know, it's, it's, it's the environment where, you know, if, if a developer is, uh, it does hear this, you know, pull requests where we review each other's code. You know, it's, it, you get wet, you know what I mean? It's, you're worried, man, because you're like, <laughs> you don't want to be like, you're sitting there going, oh, no, they'll find out that I'm not very good at this, you know, and it's, I love helping people through that because it's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah. And then look, hopefully off the back of that, we can give some experience-based advice. <laughs> um so yep. I guess to, to give some context as to kind yep. of why this was a really interesting uh, topic for, for you, Will, maybe you could yep. kind of talk us through your journey from where you were at the start, kind of through to you building your own business, through to the trials yep. and tribulations of having that business and, and then kind of having to rebuild, et cetera. Yeah, cool. I mean, I'm going to start um, just a little background first. I, I wrote it in the articles, Business to Burnout, which I've still got a lot of the last one. Um, yeah, I had a rough start, basically. And, um, you know, um, it was uh, bad. Uh, my parents broke up when I was 10 and um, although um, you know back then it's a it's a horrendous event obviously and uh, you know I had to go to court and you know choose who you want to live with and stuff so I was that kid where I was like uh, you know do you want to live with your mom or your dad and you know and it, back then it was like your mom my mom was very you know kind of possessive and, and they, she didn't want to um, you know she didn't want to lose my me and my sister my sister and I and so you know we were kind of uh, the first 10 years from 10 to 20 you know school was impossible because I was, I mean, I was, I was a depressed teenager. I was hanging out in car park, skateboarding. That's kind of what saved me in a lot of ways. It's like my skateboarding and my friends and my snowboarding. And, um, you know, I, so I grew up, you know, without that kind of, you know, proper parenting and it was difficult. And I didn't realize back then when I was at school, how, you know, ill I was actually and how broken and stuff, you know, I had hypochondria all the time. I had weird phantom symptoms of this stuff. It was hard. It was a tough time. So, you know, mm. I wasn't going to make school. So I'd left school when I was 16 and um, I was just, uh, I was just bumming around. I was getting fired from McDonald's and work, you know, I made, I made road signs. <laughs> I made road really? signs at one point cause I had no qualifications, you know, and I got fired from there probably as well. I was like, Oh man. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then it was like, um, I remember like when I was in my early twenties, you know, I'm like, everyone's gone to university and you know, I was super envious about that. And uh, I was just, you know, working, you know, in an office uh, selling disabled, like selling wheelchairs at one point or cars or, you know, PCs and, and stuff like that. And I want, and I, you know, everyone was at university and I was really kind of, I really wanted to go, had gone to university, but it wasn't going to work. So, um, <clears throat> so it, in the end, I was selling PCs at a place called PC World. And um, yeah. I've already been starting to learn, you know, programming just because I'd, I'd made a decision like I'm going to get out of this hole and I want to just do this. Right. And so um, I was working at home base as well at one point, like home base PC world. But, Again, um, like nostalgia, remembering all of these, <laughs> oh, these UK based stores. Know, right? <laughs> yeah, brilliant, mate. I could get, I could sell you a, a tin of paint and a PC, man. I could, honestly. But then, uh, so I am. Um, so I, I remember selling a PC to someone um, who had a, an insurance company and it was the very, very first job. And I said to him, uh, yeah, I'm selling PCs, mate. You know, you want a bit of insurance with that and whatnot. And he said, you're quite, you seem like a smart guy. What are you doing? And I was like, uh, well, I'm actually learning how to program. And he offered me a job um, as a junior uh, at the insurance oh, wow. company and they will, t they will train me up. So I left PC World like quickly and then like jumped in there. But, uh, you know, still I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really because this is about mental health, you know, I look back on it and I was so insecure about imposter syndrome because I'd gone from, you know, being a, like a retail guy and I'd gone into like this profession, this career I'd never even thought, you know, I'd never, I never knew what it was like to be in an office and have to make something, you know? And so it was, it was hard, but I, I also didn't feel like satisfied because it was on an industrial estate in like Landon. 
And I was like, oh, no, I, you know, I had more going I, on. I know, you know? know Langdon. <laughs> I used to live in Langdon Hills. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I, won't, I won't say the name of the company, of course, but it was near the PC World there, funnily enough, which is why I connected with the guy. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I don't want to, but, like, this is obviously, it's, it's about making light of bad situations, but there is something yeah. to be said for feeling slightly depressed living in Langdon. <laughs> Or, or being in <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 you gotta get out you just gotta get out man it's just, yeah. there's no two ways right there's long roads yeah but, um yeah the buzz of the a127 <laughs> the... <laughs> nice so i am um, i went to london so I, I i i was with this girl uh my ex-girlfriend i was with for five years right and I, I was so ashamed of myself working in the home base and pc world and you know i really mm. I knew I had a lot going on, man. I, I just felt like there was more, but I also started to realize that I had an unfair start, right? And I'm not, a, if everyone knows me, I know I'm not a victim, right? I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm really positive all the time, right? And it was, I just knew I could do it. I was like this naive, you know, like uh, over-enthusiastic guy. That's like, I'm, I'm going to be a web developer, but that's, that's the end of it. You know, that's, that's how this is going to work now, you know? Like, um, and so, yeah, I, I did that. And I remember like, like uh, applying for jobs in London. Like if anyone hears this, uh, you know, from the, from the colleagues in London and stuff, I know there's like James and James alone and all the other guys. They'll, they'll they'll be like, oh man, Will totally hustled us. One asshole. <laughs> like, well, sorry, I shouldn't swear to you. But but uh, in the end, I was like, uh, I go to interviews and I wrote about this called the Monkey Island interview technique. And if you ever played the video game Monkey Island, there was a bit of where like we have a sword fight, right? But it was never about the swords; it was about the wit. So you had to cuss someone and then a retort, right? And if you got the, if you learn all the cusses, you had to learn all the retorts, <laughs> and then you win the sword fight. So I would go to interviews and someone would be like, uh, "Yeah, welcome to the interview. Like, what's JavaScript? Uh, to tell, tell us about like prototyping or something." And I'm like, "Prototyping." whatever and i just let it be the end of it you know i go home be like prototyping i go to the next yeah. interview they're like what's prototyping i'm like oh well that's about you know the inheritance uh, and they'd be like tell us about encapsulation i'd be like whatever <laughs> see you later mate and then go you back and learn, learn it yeah and then I, <laughs> i'm never gonna get a job again now then but um <laughs> but i read a lot i did a lot of reading man like this is what i was doing i was like i, I was learning the uh, learning the industry from like you know, and there was no really code places back then in, in early 2002, whatever, or 2003. So I was learning and, and talking to friends and HTML and a bit of CSS, and I didn't know what the industry required of me. So the interviews were like, and I wasn't, I wasn't bothered about not getting the interviews because my strategy was to get the interviews, not to pass them. <clears throat> and um, but anyway, that was that was how my career kicked off. And then a guy, uh, a guy who now is this like uh, CTO of the Financial Times in London, really great friend of mine. Um, yeah, he's uh, he was the first person that really gave me a proper development job in uh, in London, and I was there for two and a half years or three years or something, and that was like my university in a way. And that was how it started, and then uh, yeah, I just carried on and on. <clears throat> it's crazy because the, your your start, to be honest, wasn't dissimilar to mine. Um, really? Yeah, my my parents split up. I was granted, I was a little bit older. I was I was fourteen, fifteen years old, uh, but it was right on the eve of my GCSEs. Oh and, right. Uh, oh, like, right. Well, I'm talking like two weeks before. Um, I didn't have to go through that particular system, but it was a very, it was a very interesting time for someone who really didn't understand relationships. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, like everything that I thought was fine wasn't, and yeah. I just didn't do my GCSEs. I was just like, uh, I, yeah. how can I concentrate right now? Yeah, so exactly. I had a similar, similar journey in that sense, in in that I really didn't know where I was, where I was going, and I just kind of found myself floating from job to job. Um, and it, oh, honestly, there's no job I haven't done. Um, yeah. I, wow. It, it was it was really interesting, and and I guess 
I didn't really know I wanted to move into recruitment, but someone presented a, a paycheck to me once when I was cleaning windows and they'd earned more in one month than I did in the entire year. And I was like, mm. oh my God, I want to be a recruiter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's funny because some of the most talented people I've I've connected with over the years that I've been doing recruitment now for 10 years don't always come from those Harvard, Stanford, MIT yeah. backgrounds. Mm-hmm. They're the people who have actually had experience and then gone out there and, and actually made something of those experiences. Yeah. Um, but certainly from an emotional perspective, like it's very it's very difficult when you're young to figure that things out, right? You don't really don't understand. No, and I'm not not entirely sure that when you get older you you still do either because yeah. <laughs> it yeah. still has a lasting effect. Yeah. So well, this is the thing. I mean, it's it's like I it seems we've both had the same experience. Um, you know, and we're talking about mental health, but this let's describe how it feels. I mean, uh, I remember I can look back on how I felt when I was, you know, from 10 until, you know, until, you know, my life basically until I, you know, got my, until I did enough therapy to to figure it out. It's this kind of, it's this kind of lack of identity, uh, emptiness that you have. um, And and also this kind of um, lost from love. There's no love. There's self, you get Mm self-loathing and you, you become a person which blames everything on yourself. I mean, I had one of my symptoms of, of, um, you know, depression through childhood from my parents breaking up was hypochondria. And I still bite my nails today. You know, I can't, this is, this is a thing where, um, you know, it's, it's something which has happened the second my parents broke. I was started biting my nails. I never stopped. And I've still got fingers, amazingly. So I don't get that, <laughs> how that works. But um, you know what I mean? But then I, through my life, I've always been seeking attention from my father, right? And it's good. So I know that. And so I become a great guitarist. I become a really good snowboarder, a really great skateboarder, because I always wanted someone to say, I'm proud of you, right? That's how this works. And um, and you grow older, and you you take you take these transferences into your life. So, for mm-hmm. instance, uh, you might have had maybe a bit of jealousy through childhood when you were younger. I was super jealous of my ex girlfriend uh, when I was in my early twenties when she went with colleagues, right? And I didn't learn until in my early thirties. I had another really jealous episode. I was like, I don't get it. Why I'm jealous of you and your colleagues, and not you and your friends? But it was because my dad walked off with his person at work. And so once I'd done, once I discovered that through a good psychotherapist and sitting down every Thursday in London, I lived in London for a little while, um, I realized that I could let that go and I never had it again. Right. So like you said there, we carry things into our adulthood and a lot of people now are doing that, but they don't realize that when they're feeling something, it actually is something which their body is telling them that they need to change or they need to, um, you know, understand. And it doesn't necessarily mean the reality around you is how you feel. All it means is there's something that you desire or you don't want anymore. And then people are not listening to their feelings. And I wish I knew this stuff when I was at school, you know, when I was a young boy or whatever else, I would have known, I've just beat him up (laughs) because he's an idiot. You know know what I mean? (laughs) You just don't really get it. They don't teach teach that kind of thing. I think the education system lacks a lot, but I, I kind of, it was an interesting experience for me because I struggled through school. I, I was, I guess, I, I got bullied a lot. Um, and that definitely affected me longer term because I got a lot bigger when I got older and people tend to bully you less when you're, you're, you're somewhat stronger, <laughs> larger. Um, and that, that was kind of a repercussion there. But I just felt anger. I was just a really angry person for a long, long time. And Why? it took me a, just, I don't, I just, because I didn't understand. I didn't understand. I guess it was like, from one day everything was fine and the next day everything fell apart 
I was yeah. I was very much a mummy's boy at the time. Um, mm. And, you know, it felt like something, you know, it was a personal attack against me. I mean, in actual fact, they just fell out of love with each other. Yeah. Um, it, they just weren't meant to be. And, and that was that. And, that. and that's okay. I just didn't understand that at the time. Yeah. So, you know, I blamed myself and that made me angry. And then, you know, off the back of just having taught, being tormented all through school, it just yeah. not, it made me not a nice person. Um, yeah. And then, and then you start to, you start to grow up. But I think men in general are notoriously bad for not talking about how they feel. Yeah. I'm not, I'm they not are, saying yeah. that it's just a male problem. Like women definitely as well, but, but I feel like men are just terrible at it. I guess, yeah. is there enough, are there enough avenues to turn? Um, it, it's not, you shouldn't be embarrassed for, for feeling emotional about something. Like you shouldn't no. be embarrassed about feeling <clears throat> challenged. And again, that's, we'll refer back to that a little bit later on when we talk about this new platform you're creating. <clears throat> yeah, but, yeah. Um, it's, it's just not easy for everyone. You know, you, you said, let's talk about how we feel. That, that's not, that's not easily done for a lot of people. No, it's not. It takes a lot, it takes a lot of training. Yeah. And and I guess if you don't if you don't have access to that training, like how do you start to spot those 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 red flags, so to speak? Well, this is a really interesting question, isn't it? I mean, we are the reality of our brains, right? You are you are right now as you feel internally and externally. And how do you how can you decide whether that was right or wrong? Let's say when you're driving a car, so people every everyone's broken and everyone's mentally ill, right? There's no such thing as sanity. There it really isn't. Yeah. So as simple as driving a car. And you go, you know, you, 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 you see the same person yesterday walking a dog and you're walking your dog and everyone, and you're like, Hey man, what's up? He's walking a dog. Like, what's that about? I don't get it. Right. You get in the car and the same guy just cuts you up because of whatever reason doesn't matter. And you're like, and you want, and you want him to die. Well, that's not sanity, man. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. But then it's that moment. Your reality was that, you know, he belittled me on the road. He didn't feel like I had a place, you know. He made me, uh, he made me uh, afraid. He gave me a feeling because I was going to crash, and I responded. Let's say I responded with anger. I don't, I don't get road rage, but it's something which fascinates me. And this is, this is in that moment a delusion. It was not real. None of what you thought was real. So everyone in that moment is broken. And most, most in intelligence is something which should be taught at school, beside history and whatever else and maths. Mm -hmm. That when you feel something, it's not necessarily either reality. It just gives you an insight as to how you are as a person. <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. To say? yeah, no, I know because I, I I get road rage. So <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can definitely relate to that. And I, I'm, next I'm time you time. get it, just think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think naturally as I've started to mature and get a little bit older, it's 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 less. And you know, yeah. what, I've got a baby on the way, and you know, and now wife, yeah. I'm I'm not driving around on my own and you know i've just got more to lose if i got out yeah. and started throwing fists like there's just no Pointless, yeah. value in that at all but this um, is a transference from what you said in your past right because you said you was angry so maybe oh, that I'd person have, maybe that person it, yeah. that cuts you up was was the bully that used to attack you at school right that's the person in the car that walks all over you but it's not him it's someone completely it's a guy whose wife is giving birth and he wants to get there you know yeah that's, all it just, is. that's what yeah, i'm trying to just say flash, just flash flashes back and then kind of bringing this to the the, the technology world then yeah. um i think you're you're kind of like in a small group of people and i say it's small because because it really is that are quite outgoing um or at least you give the perception that you're you're confident um, i guess you can you can tell me otherwise if that's wrong but technologists in general especially developers or engineers just 
aren't very good at communicating. Mm. And in an environment where I guess front end creative environments are a little bit more communicative and collaborative. But if you're looking at back end developers, a lot of the time they they don't talk to each other at all. And they'll sit in a dark room, quite a depressing room, and just code all day. And they're starting to build these emotions and they don't really understand them and they don't really know where to go with them or how to talk about them. And, and yeah. they slip very, very quickly into a depression. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm keen to know about your experiences because you've, you've taken on a lot of pressure. You've tried to build your own business. You've got people reporting into you and expecting a lot from you. Um, where, where, what kind of happened there? What was, what was the journey there? So going back onto the, the developer thing, I mean, I'm, I'm writing an article at the moment called How to Be an Empathetic Developer. Mm. And there's, uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, one is imposter syndrome. It's a, it's a sickness in the industry, let's say. Um, it's, uh, I, I suffer from it for sure because my, I started off, you know, not being a trained developer at college or university, right? <laughs> so I, was, I had heavy imposter syndrome. I was, at any moment now, they'll discover um, that I'm a fraud. And that, that, that creates arrogance, you know, that creates anxiety, depression. And a lot of people have this. Like I speak to people all the time and it's something I like to talk about with them. Um, and and one, one surefire way to, to bring out the imposter in you, I don't get it anymore to be honest. It's, uh, you know, I'm 17, 18 years, like, you know, I can just do it. But um, there's still, still things I don't know and you still get a little bit of a tweak every now and then. But sometimes uh, we do pair programming, right? It's where one person sits down and the other person like sits by you and um, what I want to do is uh, I'm writing an article, how to be an empathetic developer, which I'm going to put out before the end of the year. And it really is, it really is a little thing about um, how to, how to pair program properly and how to like, um, you know, not make the person with the keyboard feel anxious and not make them feel belittled again. And on also how to be productive with it. And so what I like to think about it is like one person has the pilot seat or I like just the brain. Right. And what you get with pair programming is you get one guy, let's say like me tapping away, but, I might have a flow and the other person hasn't connected with that flow yet, right? But there might be another solution. And so the other person will be like, no, 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 press it, no, no, but you like backseat driving? And that's, that kills you, man. That's just like, get out of here, throw your laptop up in the air. And it's a really painful experience, but one person should just be at a pair program and the other person waits for the flow to finish, doesn't work. And rather than correct them as they're typing, like, you know, indicate, you know, like gear stick, whatever, it's like, wait for the flow to finish. And then before they try and compile it or deploy it or something, they go, all right, so you, there was two, three things in that file. We should go back to that, you know, and have collected the information. But too often, people sit down at each other and they're like, no, no, go left, no, colon, like uh, open a bracket, invoke it, like blah, blah. And you're like, no, no dude, I'm, I'm working on the flow, man. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, I, yeah. think, I think this is something which is really important. And, and it, it, can, it kills a lot of people in the industry. Like a lot of people really, they struggle with that, man, including myself, especially for the first part of my, my career. It's, um, I, I think that goes for anything. If you're writing an email and someone leans over your shoulder and all of a sudden you, you lose the ability to spell. Like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's probably the same. But what's crazy is that a lot of the time, that paired programming is an integral part of an interview process as well. Yeah. So, and, and you're being judged on, on that and you'll be successful or not if you do a good job or a bad job. And yeah. that, that, that's, I think that's a whole different conversation in terms of like how an interview process should be built. But yeah, do you think that the pair programming, just as a side question, is something that should be involved in the interview process or should be involved in the day-to-day? -day? Like, is it, does it bring value? Um, pair programming in an interview, 
In, in both, really. So in an interview process, that that being a side question, and then does it bring value in terms of like the working environment? Yeah. So um, pair programming absolutely brings value, right? Because right. when I'm I'm doing it in the work environment, just very briefly, uh, because I might do something which may trigger the other guy. I know what to do when he's uh, finished his flow. Not now, because that's uh, annoying. Right, but when right, he finishes right, right. flow and you inevitably find out it doesn't work, you go, I have an idea. I'll take the brain. And the other guy sits back and looks and assists. So they, they basically tag you in. Yeah, exactly. None of this, like, you do this, you do this thing while you type in. In an interview, you have another problem there because now you're on stage, right? You're performing. I can sing in a shower like, you know, Celine Dion, mate. You know, I'm, I'm amazing singer in a shower. <laughs> Are you trying to – I sing on stage and, I, you know, I sound, I sound like a sort of car starting. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's yeah. terrible. But it's a whole different thing. And if I'm in an interview and they're like, right, I want you to make a closure or something in an interview or, or you know, this view thing – I think it's just the wrong environment to do it. An interview should 100% be in what I did with the freelancers that I worked with. I want to know what team you support. I want to know like um, where you live, where you go on a vacation, not, you know, and what, what's your life? Who are you? You know, that's, that for me is the interview. I think companies should definitely invest five days or so to have them on and then just see how they are as a person. The first three days, everyone's nervous. No one has any idea what's going on. I and mean, even me, like start a job. Let's look at one company in, in the Netherlands, a big bank, right? They, they don't pay you for two weeks like because that that is notoriously that period and it's awful i, I don't know why people do it but i, I work for them as well they don't pay you for two weeks the first two weeks are like um see you later mate like, i'm not going to pay you because they're just a waste of time which is just completely balmy and when i started out i actually worked for them like you know and yeah. i was like what am i what am i doing actually i remember like my friend said why did you work for two weeks for free i was like i don't know actually <laughs> was stupid of me. it was like my first freelance gig when i just got into being an entrepreneur you know and and I was like, well, I thought that's just what you do. And obviously that's just ridiculous. No, you learn as you go, don't you? But, but coming yeah. back to that, so it's really important that when you're, you're doing things like this in, in the development world, the pair programming, you know, having people look at your work, that businesses are paying attention to how that's actually making somebody feel as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Because um, exactly. if, they're, if they're already feeling pressure, if they're already feeling slightly under the weather or depressed or whatever you want to label it, yep. like you're, you're adding to the problem if you're not managing that right. So you, the pair program works if it's managed properly. You know, Correct. let them finish their flow and then and then jump in. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, that imposter syndrome is is definitely alive in a lot of industries. Like, there's been times where I thought, oh, fucking hell, I got away with that. How did I get away with that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. they didn't ask me about like <laughs> if I understood that in in depth because I, I didn't. Um, because <laughs> off the back of that, then I'm like, all right, I better go and learn that because if I if I get caught out again, I'm going to look like an idiot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny. There's also also like a, a lot of developers that you sort of mentioned the, the backend developers. It really is a classic example. I mean, I, some of my good friends are backend developers, and they they they're all right. You know, I like them. But I think I think for some people, they really it's like the the, the development platform is a way for them to be like the alpha males. You know what I mean? I've worked with some real, you know, punks in my time that that you know, based on my insecurity with my imposter syndrome, and they're you know out you know they they were something didn't go right and this is their platform to be the football player now or you know what i mean or the mm -hmm. the, the jock or the you know the hustler in the in the development uh, world like by programming and that's their alpha male thing and some of you you see some of these guys and it's not fun to work with now i, I know i would never have employed anyone that was really like that you know, because they make them a lot of people in, in a lot of industries you know they they feel secure by putting other people down and it's it's also a curse in the development industry 
you might put a PR in there rather than, oh man, great idea, love your work, we should try this, this and this. Because I think, you, I know where you were going with it, but yeah, it's better to do this. This is a new pattern, right? Otherwise it's like, you know, fix that, not good enough, you know, or something like that. And it's just like, oh dude, like what, what are you doing, man, you know? Yeah, that doesn't, that, that also just doesn't drive innovation and nothing. You might get the job done, but you'll lose people along the way. So I, I want to talk yeah. about like, so you started your own agency and, and to be honest, month yeah. on month at one point, you were making some pretty decent money. Yeah, I know. It was messed up, man. I was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is it. I'm going to be super rich. Yeah. Died. <laughs> so, 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 so what happened? Yeah. So like, um, yeah, I was, for me, I, I, this, um, it was, it was, for me, it was about love and relationships. I mean, I love what I do even now. I love hustling, you know, I'm building back up again and I love finding clients. I love doing deals. You know, I, I, I jump in a van one day, helping someone move house. And I, by the time I got to the um, new house, I'd already like, you know, signed like 60,000 or 50,000 deal for like, you know, three months or four months, whatever it was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, and it was just, I love this communication. I love the clients. And for me, it was about really delivering what the clients want. And, and but I love networking as well on communication. I loved working with the freelancers. So that the agency was born just out of the love of all I want to do is build stuff for clients, MVPs, prototypes, bring them to investment. Someone gets a 2 million seed investment, build that, and then work with all my buddies. That's the end of it, you know? I mean, it sounds too good to be true. And I got that. It was great. So a lot of the, lot of the money I was making, of course, was because you know I'm paying freelancers, you know, between six and twelve thousand a month or something. So it was these great, great deals and things, and uh, I loved all that, man. It was great. Mm. And um, you know, I'm yesterday I was working in a co-working with five of my friends as well. We we're working on different projects and the same project which I'd also got from Berlin to bring to here. So I'm still the hustler in a way and bringing these projects <laughs> in. But what happened with me is um, I I'd had a I, I broke up with my five year partner um, because uh, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. She's a great friend now, and I love her and her family still. And we're we're still in, you know we're still great. But um, after that, I I then um, you know was kind of it hurt right and it, it sucked. Uh, but then uh, this is like uh, when I was doing my business stuff, and then I you know started a new relationship um, for a year and a half with a girl that was like incredibly like it was very toxic from from you know the, from we didn't connect properly, but. Because I knew and I loved her and I knew I wanted to maintain it. I knew I wanted to help her and, you know, help the relationship. I like stuck it out for a year and a half until it was unbearable. And then um, amongst this, I'm still doing business and deals. You know, it, I was exhausted. I, I look back mm. on it. It was, I was, I was just gone. And people say like, too, taking too much work, Will. You're always still talking on the phone. And, you know, it wasn't it. I loved all that. It was, it was because my core had been stripped out by my love uh, with my partner. And that was, and also in, in the meantime, I was, you know, struggling with, um, you know, with tiredness and, and traveling a lot. And, and it was just too much. And then I, I, I was living quite close to her and a good friend of mine at the time, he said, uh, you know, you're going to move out. This is enough. You leave, leave this, leave this apartment area and you come live with me for six weeks while we find you something else. You know, I went with it and it was the stupidest thing I ever did because mm. I was homeless then and I had no place. So then I was just down a bar, you know, almost every other evening, just like cooling my anxiety. Like, oh man, that was the negative coping strategy. Then come in, and then you start drinking too much, and you don't sleep anymore, and then you just hung over, and then you go out on a Friday, and you know, and it was like, and then that was that was that was the start of the burnout for me. That was, and I'm still trying to make money. Um, you know, freelancers I'm paying, and everything that I love become a really big problem. Yeah. And, um, you know, talking to clients, I didn't really want to do it. I was writing these proposals and I look back on them. They're like rubbish now. You know, I'd lost my magic, man. 
And it was just terrible. And then as that carried on and on and on, I become more, you know, like suicidal in my mind. You know, you get the mm. suicidal thoughts when hope is lost. I wrote about that. And, you know, all this stuff. And then you just you just fall into this pit. And when you when you're there, someone says to you, I think you're having a burnout. And that's eye opening. You know, you don't want to get there. That's a really, really dark place, you know, mm. and nothing makes sense. And none of your friends know what's going on. So they start walking away and then you're being abandoned. And then it's just not because they're bad people, because no one knows what's no one knows what's going on. Right. And it's it's dark. It's a dark place. And then, I, you know, I managed to just strip everything down and go to Berlin and, and get a freelance job and just get back on, on my feet again. You know, and it's, it's crazy, man. It's a crazy world. With that being said, like. Where was you at the time? So you went to Berlin. Was this in the UK? Oh, no, this was all in the uh, Netherlands, in, in Utrecht. Right. So you've, I, I've, I've experienced moving to several different cities. <laughs> and every time you move, you don't know anyone. So yeah. you've got all of this going on. <clears throat> and then your friends you, you might not have known for long enough to be able to have those conversations with. Yeah, maybe, I see yeah. It, I see it a lot here as well when people I place who are like not in New York City, not in San Francisco, not in Boston, and then they move from another state to the city with a great job. But actually, one of the things they just don't account for or think about is the fact they don't know anyone. Yeah, and it can be a really lonely place. You could be surrounded yeah. by great people going out all the time, having great dinners and meals and living in a yeah, beautiful that, house that. or apartment. But loneliness is real. Like, yeah. And, and it's really difficult. So amongst trying to, you know, take all of that weight on your shoulders and then not really having somebody to turn to your, your, your friends. I, I mean, I assume they were, were friends from home or, or friends in in the Netherlands. Well, I, I, so the timeline is in 2011 or 2012, I moved to the Netherlands and um, I had my burnout in 2018. So I already had a really established oh, okay. group of friends right, there. Right, so right. I was not I was not alone or anything. I mean, you know, but the point was, you know, it took a long time to kind of slide down that slippery slope. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know what's going on. And, then you, you know, you might pick up other friends and stuff on your way down that you didn't really want to hang out with, you know, and it just it's, it's just. It, like I said, um, with with uh, on my on my um on my article was like, you know, it's it's like you get but you get submerged in a submersible. You're just smiling manically on the way down out the window, and everyone's like, well, "What's happened to Will?" You know, and then you just uh, these other people are these other people who are also low, let's say, low self-esteem, or also in a part of their lives which is difficult, and they're the ones that latch onto you when you go down there, right? And this is not uh, because we all go up and down, of course, and we like to hang out with people that we can egotistically, you know, um, feel that we're comfortable with, of course. Mm -hmm. And then, then you start hanging out with new groups of friends and then you become kept there. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, what's going on, man? You have to kind of strip it. I, what I did recently was I went minimalist and just stripped the whole thing back. And just I had to let go of everyone and everything. Like when I was in Berlin, even clothes. Now I only have you know, seven T-shirts, you know, seven nice T-shirts, a jacket. And uh, it's just, I, I just went full minimalist. I had to strip the whole thing back so I could find who I was again, learn to be by myself and, you know, just crack on with my career. You know, it's, it's just all good, but it's definitely a journey. How do you take that first step, though? To do? To, to kind of stripping it back, because <clears> if you don't know where to start, how do you know what to do first? Yeah, it's interesting because um, one, once I realized I was uh, in, a, in a pickle, let's say. Um, yeah. I, I was like, in, okay. in a mess for any of my American friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Once, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so once I, once I learned, I mean, I was, so I just want to describe a little bit how it feels. I mean, it's, it's, um, the first thing that goes, um, is your identity. You lose your identity. 
Uh, in a, it, when you're in a burnout, you, you have no sense of place or self in the world that's gone. There's a core which just is gone. Like almost like when mom and dad broke up, you know, that's it, that's gone. You're susceptible to anything and everything, which gives you attention because you need that because you need, you know, love. You need someone to say it's going to be all right. Uh, and, you know, you're confused and bewildered and everything's everything's insanity. You know, it's really crazy. So it's like when once all that happened, you have all these attachments to things like your apartment and, you know, the uh, the this furniture and also the, the friends that you've now obtained and the other guys that now don't know who you are anymore. Or they've, they've kind of walked away because of they're protecting themselves, I think. Yeah. And then you then you I, I went to Berlin to get a freelance job because, of course, money was becoming a problem at that point. And, you know, it, it had been a long time since I'd been like, hey, all my proposals were going flat and I had no energy and I was exhausted. Yeah, and wow. I was in I was in Berlin and I, I was just like got I brought all my wardrobe and I was like I started getting rid of my clothes. And it just felt like every time I got rid of something, it felt like a weight was lifted to the point where I actually sold everything in my apartment. I, I was a, I loved cooking very much. And um I got I sold all my my TV, my couch and it, all the stuff that was in my apartment, really great stuff, for like you know, fifteen hundred euros. I was like to the new person in there, I was like, Do you want all my stuff? give me like 3,000 I think I said at first or whatnot she was like ah it's too much and like and two months down the line I'm leaving all my clothes and things in Berlin you know on the streets there's a homeless guy who's running around with like you know Armani <laughs> and like nice trainers and stuff I was like my man a high five <laughs> but then um yeah I remember I left like I left like uh, one of my last bags like uh, I was wearing leggings I like wearing leggings from time to time still and it's like I had all this stuff on the on the, on the street outside in Berlin and the show now is LA and I went out there the next morning and it's just all over the show now it's LA, this big road. And like, I've got my underwear, my leggings. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like running around. I'm like 40. I'm like running around, picking all this stuff up. Like who's done this? It's meant to be for the homeless. And, uh, but the more I, the more I got rid of, I mean, I recommend it to anyone that, that feels like they're really struggling and then they want to recover is absolutely minimalizing is wonderful. And um, to, to strip it back to now in my life, all I own uh, other than the, the guitars and my snowboard is everything goes in a, in a, in a 45 liter bag, shrink wrap clothes. It's all there, right? One pair of shoes. When I buy a really? pair of shoes, I give it to a homeless guy. I, wow. if I buy anything, if I, if I buy a new jacket, this goes straight to a homeless guy at the station. You know, it's just, I, I it's just constantly recycling and uh, I don't have any stuff. This is wow. my, this is my ex-girlfriend's apartment. You know, he's got, he's got more things in his closet. <laughs> Then I then I own like in my life, you know, it's crazy. But it feels it feels so good, and it's not wasteful, and it's just it's a lovely way to be. I mean, I've got I don't even own a car or nothing. I just I got, I got nothing. It's it's just amazing. Yeah, I can I can again side with that feeling because I just moved house. Except I kind of had a slightly different mindset. So I I moved out, and the guys who were there bought all my stuff. So again, I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> Almost identical thing, but there was it was partly because I didn't want to move it, and it was partly yeah. because I kind of wanted like a fresh start. I wanted to yeah. be able to like just rebuild. That's and, it. And yeah, and and it, and it was really liberating. Um, yeah, liberating was, is the word exactly. Yeah, it was difficult, like you said. I, I, when I left, I was like, oh, I could take that with me, and I was like, no, I've sold it. You can't take it back now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Get out with it. Like, under your yeah, <laughs> stealing my own stuff. Um, <laughs> But but yeah, it was it was it was liberating and, and to just to strip it back and and have a fresh start and there was part, yeah. it's partly because obviously I'm I'm now building my family and I kind of wanted it to be ours. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But there's something you you've gone to the to the extreme now. I'm not entirely sure if I'd be ready to live out of a of a rucksack just just yet. 
Yeah. But um, there is something to be said for lifting that weight. And there's lots yeah. of different ways. There's lots of different ways you can do that. And maybe this isn't the right thing to promote here, but I, I used a meal prep service for a very long time. Mm. And I can't tell you how much clearer my mind was when I didn't have to worry about what I was having for lunch mm. or what oh, I was yeah. having for dinner. It didn't cost yeah. me anymore. It just, it was, it was being prepared. And it was partly for fitness as well. But mm. just lifting that weight or that thought out of my mind. Like now, yeah. I guess you don't, when you get up, you don't go, what am I going to wear today? Like, I can spend no. 20 minutes wondering what I'm going to wear and then go upstairs and work from, and <laughs> work from home. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no one sees me outside of when I do these podcasts. Why am I worrying about what I wear? Yeah. Um, so if you if you remove some of those just unnecessary thoughts, some yeah. for some reason, it just makes things easier. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I remember I was in um I was in um I went I went I decided to be a digital nomad for a few years and go you know travel the world and, and do work everywhere right, uh, and then come back and find a girlfriend hopefully and uh, you know settle down and what whatnot. And I'm, you know, I've only got a few good years left, mate. You know I'll look like Phil Collins soon. You know what I mean? <laughs> but <laughs> but um yeah, it was it was hilarious because I I'd gone through this burnout and then recovery and then financial recovery and then all this cool stuff right. Um, and then I, when I was in, I, I went to a place called Neustrelitz in North Germany, right? And it was, uh, it was my ex-girlfriend's family's house. Two weeks there in March, right? And then again, I'm going to go to like, I don't know, Bali or something. I don't, who knows? I don't know. I was going to go snowboarding for two months and then do my project in the Alps. You know, I'm a snowboarder nice. for 25 years. <laughs> I go to Neustrelitz and then like, uh, yeah, COVID hits. And I'm locked like in a 19... 19- 50s style GDR house for 10 weeks yeah. like there's no no there's German towns like when there's no you drive through it and you're like um oh is that a town like oh and you, yeah. you're out the other side I was there 10 weeks man and they hated me and you know it was like because I was like this foreign guy it was lovely lovely house lovely family gesture and they, they said you can live here as long as you want rent free for now and it's just totally fine but you know the people there were like uh, right are you here you are English and this is a German town and this is a COVID, really? and you're like, yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know. I, I, I can't leave because I sold my car in Berlin, and you closed the train station. <laughs> <laughs> like, what yeah. am I going to do? So I was wow. there for 10 weeks. And it was at that point I started to write. And I, I really got clarity, and I thought I can, that was when I could really put my whole life into perspective and everything that happened, and I put it behind me. And then I was gonna. Then I was like, I'm gonna go traveling. I'm just gonna travel for a couple of years and just meet Americans and meet Australians and meet Thai people and just you know be breezy and you know, but then COVID hit and it was like hilarious. I was like, really? I want to be a nomad now. And this happens. <laughs> like, I think everyone's got this plan breaking story with COVID. It's like that's crazy. Nice. Got a nice little uh, comment there. Oh yeah, I was Shanti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I thought I'd throw that in there. Thanks, Shanti. Cheers, mate. <laughs> um, so I think I'm, I'm keen to know about this platform you've created because again, not just um, and, and I, I keep reading it back to males have a real difficulty expressing their emotions because I, I, I actually watched a video of Mark Gainsford, who's um, also another agency owner, he, he mm. seemingly all over LinkedIn. Um, and, and last year or maybe the beginning of this year, it must have been last year because it was he went to a pub. He was he basically very openly said, look, I'm doing this video because I've realized that I've hit a certain age and I've got no friends. Mm. Uh, I've got no one to talk to. I've got no one to to kind of bounce off i've got no one to have fun with and he yeah. joined this kind of like i guess group of guys that just found themselves in a situation where they didn't know how to make friends and they went to a pub and he went and had a great time and and it was like 
it was really nice just to see someone go, do you know what? This is difficult. This is really difficult to do. And the longer yeah. you leave it, the more difficult it gets. Yeah, so I yeah, feel like oh, yeah. the, the idea behind your platform, if I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's similar in the respect that someone's going to be able to come onto this platform, have uh, an area where they could perhaps just have a chat with you. Um, it doesn't have to be about how they feel. It could just be no. generally talking to someone that, that they haven't had the chance to do for whatever reason. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, so um, I've loved, I love mentoring people. I love, like I said, at the beginning of this uh, a meeting, the, I, I love to just, um, I, I love to connect with people, right? You know, I'm a, I, I love to connect because I didn't get that as a child, you know what I'm saying? And I love to make very close friends. And in the industry, I feel very really sorry for people that struggle. And um, I, since my burnout and everything, now I'm 40, right? And I've got a lot up to give back to people by not just saying you should do this and you should do that. But just like I say on Just a Friend is just to listen. Because if people have stuff to say, you know, and you can empathize with people. And then maybe maybe that was what they needed to figure out what's going on next. Or maybe they, they needed that as a little push to get in a therapist or a coach. So what I want to do with this is I'm just doing it myself for a couple of months as a pilot. I'm, I'm already making um, the, the platform, but I don't I, I don't want to make it a platform where people can instantly get their dopamine like nowadays Tinder and hit and get a get a, I want people to actually have a coffee, you know, or a call. And it so it won't it will be to start off with just me um, uh, and uh, a buddy of mine who were making everything. Um, just so people can like um, I've got an interview next week. Um, you know, or I did a pull request and it made me feel bad, or I'd like to learn this code and React uh, or a Vue or Angular or something, and then I want to just talk about it. And I have a meeting with them next week, and I'm going to donate, you know, three to five hours every week for you know three months minimum for now or two months, and just to listen to people and just uh, you know just help them along. There's a lot of 25 year olds, 30 year olds, maybe even like 40 year olds that, that just want to talk to someone outside of their circle, you know, that's had experience. And I say experience-based advice because I'm not a co I'm not a coach, I'm not a therapist, but I have experience and I like to mentor people. I like to say, well, maybe in an interview, you know, you could be like this, or maybe with your colleague, you could take him for a coffee or and just listen and, and that sort of stuff. And, and the future, of course, will be uh, a nice way for other freelancers to, to connect with um, people. And um, yeah, but that's all top secret now, of course. So I want to put that out so that you'll we'll be hearing about that over the next like few months, the, the new business idea, absolutely. But the, the heart and soul of it is, People in the industry now can mentor people that have less experience in the same industry. And that's a nice platform for people to connect like that and, and give people help. I think it's um, <clears throat> it's definitely an interesting platform for freelancers because naturally they move around, right? So to build yeah. a relationship with a colleague that in two weeks' time you might not see again because you'll be on another yeah. project somewhere else or in a different country, this is quite a good way of, of centralizing uh, or building relationships with people who, who are always on the move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But um, also say like um, someone someone has, uh, it, it could be also, it could be a platform where, you know, you could you could talk to businesses too. And freelancers or, or you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be freelancers, could be also someone that's just a, a colleague, right? Mm. Maybe they can also, you know, get some extra money on the side by, by helping uh, people within other companies, you know, actual experience-based stuff like that. But yeah, I yeah. don't want to go too much into that. The heart and soul yeah, of it is that people people want to help other people. And I want to make something where people can help other people. And it's not just a text chat thing. It's not just this. I always say it like, you know, Tinder and Happen, you know, you're on a toilet in the morning and you get this dopamine hit, you know, on, on Happen or Tinder. <laughs> you know, you don't want to do that. You want people to actually 
connect you know and talk mm -hmm. and, and back in the day it'd be great to have a coffee you know and then you could have these like, meetups and things with it but i don't know there's um there's something to be said for like doing this now um i feel like it, i don't want to say there's covid's hit at a good time because it definitely hasn't hit <laughs> in a good way whatsoever but you know what I mean? in terms of what what you're creating here i feel like people naturally are becoming more comfortable having these kind of like digital conversations like yeah. using video platforms to actually have a conversation with somebody so yeah. i feel like if there was ever a time to to have people more available especially because they're at home right they can jump on it and not be judged by anyone else around them you know shut the door yeah and just have a conversation i feel like timing for this might just be nails on i've thought about that yeah i think i'm, I'm really excited about it to be honest i've got a project ongoing with a client in amsterdam right now and it's coming up to the end like any day now it'll just be finished um i'm just i'm absolutely determined to get this out before the end of the year you know what i mean it's like uh it's just just the very first mvp for it i feel like um, as well what what a great way to build relationships with businesses to be like look i'll create this platform if you want to let your developers know that um it, they can talk if they want to just have an off the record chat that doesn't in any way impl implicate them in in terms of your business so they just want to talk yeah. about something um yeah a lot of the, lot of the time therapy you're doing the talking, right? They just go, okay, well, why? Why do you feel like that? What could you do differently? Yeah, For yeah. the most part, you figure out your own stuff. It's just, yeah, just exactly. talking about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, like, I really like that idea. I really like that idea. So I guess to, to kind of wrap this up then, Will, like what, mm -hmm. what kind of <clears throat> advice would you give to, I guess, anyone that just might be feeling a little bit tight or, you know, I guess – might be feeling a little bit depressed under the weather, not very motivated in the mornings. Like what would be your yeah. kind of two or three pieces of advice that you could just give to somebody off the bat? Yeah. Well, um, the first thing that comes in, of course, is um, you're not alone with it. Everyone's struggling. We're all steering away blind in our lives. No one has any idea what's going on most of the time. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not necessarily your fault that you feel bad. Right. And it's yeah. another bit would be like, um, try and try and listen to the thoughts that you're having when you are feeling bad and see who is talking in your mind it's like i'm never going to get a good job oh and catch that be mindful and go oh who was that that just spoke i'm never gonna get and then that takes you out of that story mm -hmm. so you can practice mindfulness or cognitive behavioral therapy you know I'm, I'm not good enough or um you know or even like i'm gonna be a better person you know that's the hero talking you know what i mean it's like that's all a part of the story just go oh, who was that that said i'm gonna be better Oh, that's the hero and then try and think about you know what 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 triggers are around you that, that are making you feel bad or depressed or something and be honest with your partner or be honest with your colleagues and stuff and just just say about how you feel just start the communication about feelings you know it's really it's gonna help i mean we're, we all do it. like guys like you said earlier guys myself included like you'll be sort of just sitting like oh man this sucks like and you'll be like no i don't want to talk about it you know what i mean and then, but that's that's exactly what you needed to do you know you need, you need to talk about it with people but it's, it's, it's really the only cure, I think. And, and really think about emotional intelligence as well. Like really, if you're feeling down or under the weather, you know, try and think about what, why you're feeling that way um, and like, you know, what, what your body and what your emotions are trying to tell you about your situation, you know? And um, don't be afraid to make those changes. Don't be afraid to talk to people. I think that's really it. Yeah. Talking this thing, yeah. Again, I keep coming back to the, the idea of your platform. I really like that because people have the ability to choose whether they want to talk about it. Um, I see, yeah. I've seen lately, <laughs> obviously mental health is just, just naturally a focal point right now, more so than yeah, ever. Yeah, um, yeah. But you can't force someone to talk. 
you kind no. of just have to give them the ability or the platform to do it. And I'm not entirely sure that if my business started rolling out a mental health program, that I would want to sign up and go, yep, I want to tell you all my problems. Because yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, you employ me, so I'm not sure I really want to tell you my problems. Yeah. So I think having, you know, this platform you're creating is, is a really, really good idea. And, and that's kind of yeah, one thanks. of the other reasons that I wanted to, to, to do this today and give you a little bit of promotion there. And thanks, man. Yeah, you can take to the market. Just a friend.nl. Thank you. Yeah, it's in a couple of months. It's going to be uh, right now. It's just some information, basically. But in a couple of months, it's going to be a solid, uh, solid platform. I'm really looking forward to putting it out there. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I just yeah. want to say one more thing about that is um, um, one thing uh, which I which I learned, uh, which I do naturally anyways, but peop- uh, and I, I've read a book as well. I can't remember the guy's name for some reason. It's about nonviolent communication and um, it can be really useful for uh, in recruitment for for both uh, sales, whatever else it can be. It has got business implications. But most importantly, it, it helps us to build connections with people very quickly. Um, because we don't compete with what the other person is trying to say. And we instead ask some questions about, did you feel like that? Or was it because I just said that? Or they, then you start to understand how they are as a person really quickly. The nonviolent communication is something which I would definitely uh, encourage people to have a look at as well. If they want to make better connections with people around them quickly, yeah. especially developers as well. Like they're like, why did you do that? It's such a, such a question you know what why did you do that not like i see where you're going with it um you know blah, blah. so well, i wouldn't why did you do that there was something like, it's this confrontational stuff is not cool in any in any walk of life it's much more important to to, like to, to connect the non-violent communication is a really important tool i'm gonna i'm gonna personally look at that because you can find yourself sometimes feeling very frustrated in recruitment um yeah, for, for, for a number of different reasons and yeah even with you know, 10 years of experience, you can sometimes find yourself just going like, what are you doing? Like, come on, guys, yeah. let's let's sharpen up as opposed yeah. to being like, okay, let's try and understand why we're not getting the feedback. Like, yeah. understand that that person that you're asking for feedback might not have it. Yeah. So figure out why they haven't got it and try and find a solution yeah. as opposed to being like, you haven't got me that feedback. Where is it? I'm right, yeah, exactly. Phone waiting for me like, oh, I'm trying to play <laughs> Like, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm guilty for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am. I am. Um, let's do, let's but, cover actually quickly with the recruitment thing as well, because I, I just want to, because we've only got a few minutes, right? But yeah. um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk on the floor, you know what I'm saying, about, about recruiters and stuff, right? And I, I love, if, if any recruiters out there now are listening to this and uh, anyone that I, I've been speaking to over the years, they'll know that I love it, right? And I talk and have a banter and it's cool. And not always there's a deal on the table and, you know, not mm-hmm. always the developer can talk to you guys. And he's, the developer's annoyed because he had 10 recruiters 10 minutes ago all letting him down. And the recruiters know because he doesn't know what JavaScript is or and the difference between Java and JavaScript is, right? But that shouldn't be a cause for everyone to get annoyed at each other. We should instead make fun of it. And that's what I like to do, you know. It's like when I talk to recruiters, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I'll help you with that. No worries. So Java is this and JavaScript is that. But no, this is everyone's career and this is their, this is their life, you know. But I just want to say if anyone hears, developers, like don't be annoyed at recruiters because they're just trying to do their job. And I know they don't always get it right, but empathize with them instead because they're also, they're also people that have livelihoods and homes and stuff. And this is their choice of path. You can help them instead. So the next time they make a call, they'll get it right for the next developer. And the same with developers. They're like, oh, hello. Oh, Lewis, oh, it's a developer. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to shoot myself. Yeah, I'll be, I won't be home uh, for dinner. But yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I want to get that enough. out there. Because well, we're a recruiter developer thing here, man. We should definitely talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, it's, um, it's funny because it's I've fine. been building a, a list of um, 
I guess, guest speakers that are going to specifically talk about a technology. So I'm basically going to have a, a library of short form videos that if a recruiter goes, well, I'm not really sure what JavaScript is, they can watch a three or four minute video of me asking yeah. a JavaScript developer a stupid question. So basically the idea is that it's okay to ask stupid questions. I'm going to go, well, what's JavaScript? Well, how do you use that? Um, yeah. Questions that people might be slightly afraid to ask. And yeah. like, yeah. we're not, we're not all experts. We're really not like, it, you don't have to, it, when you as soon as you label yourself as a recruitment expert, you you kind of silo yourself into you having to know everything, and it's okay yeah. not, to. Um, and it's okay to ask seemingly stupid questions because yeah, it will just yeah. improve your next conversation. And always try to leave that situation better off than you did when you you know you, you started it. Exactly. Um, I think there's something to be said for that. Just just sharing knowledge and and just being okay with it and, exactly. and being, yeah. being pleasant while you're doing it. And back to the road rage thing as well. Like, wouldn't it be nice if when we did do the road rage thing, we're like, oh, we're good. It's like, oh I'm glad that one of us, because oh, everyone makes mistakes. No, of course. I'm yeah. glad we're both alive. And but the, the, what's JavaScript? You know, like, oh, you're an, you're an idiot. You know, but no, actually, like, oh, I can help you. It's a way that it's a way that we make uh, nice behaviors in the browser. It's easy. It's done. That's basically the end of it, right? That's it's finished. Yeah. I'm a JavaScript developer. We make behaviors in the browser. We put add behaviors with buttons and things popping out and stuff. That's what JavaScript does, you know, and it also connects with APIs. And But, you know, we can be kind about it. Just just everyone be kind with each other, please, because it, it just it drives you bonkers. It was so angry all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I was so angry. Can you imagine Can you imagine getting out of the car and someone having that, that angle with you? And I'm like, you're getting out of road rage, and then you're like, what, wait? You're just glad <laughs> we're alive? <laughs> That's what I'm like. That's what I'd I would be do. so confused. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Okay, have a good day. <laughs> Get back in my You're car right, and drive off. But it changed yeah. it. It would change the whole dynamic, right? Yeah, yeah. It would change everything actually. If we weren't if we just had that different dynamic, if we were instantly grateful for life <laughs> and rather than instantly facetious and, and, and you know judgmental and we wanted to kill someone, how yeah. wonderful the world would be. I mean, why are we not like that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like we, you can start to make positive changes towards those mindsets and, and again. Uh, you know really looking forward to seeing how the platform gets on Thanks, um, appreciate it openly uh openly welcoming questions on my side i'm sure you are will if anyone kind of sees these videos later on or listens to the podcast and uh and wants to ask us something or you know follow the articles that, that will was going to be producing or has produced in the past and is going to be producing over the next few weeks or months yeah there's a um, few more coming out but yeah we really appreciate the time really appreciate the time always good chatting to a fellow essex boy <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice one, Gitty. He's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. All right. Um, well, as always, um, thanks for tuning in. I go live every Thursday, uh, bringing different experts from the space and are covering a bunch of different topics. If there's anything that you feel like isn't being discussed in the industry enough, let me know. Um, if you want to come on the show and talk about it, like, great. If you want to talk about a specific topic, I'll go and find an expert that we can talk about it with. So uh, thanks again, guys, for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you next week. I'm going to go to the next one.